Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Not just when we have illnesses or ailments, but he is our spiritual healer when we are struggling and when we are facing temptation. No matter what our issue or challenge in life is, God is the healer of that challenge. Somebody can say amen. The line that really jams me up every time I hear it, (laughs) it just erases all of my doubts every time. I mean, just even this morning, getting prepared to come here, I had doubts. But there's this one line in there that says, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing is impossible for God. And, 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 and I just have to let that remind me that when I think that it's impossible, when I think that that is not enough, when I think that, you know, th- that, that this place should be overflowing with people, when I think that, 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 that there should be so much more going on, nothing is impossible for him. It's impossible for me. It's impossible for God. It's not. I'm, I'm getting off subject, but that song does that to me. Nothing is impossible for God. Listen, uh, so glad you were here today. For those of you, this, if, if this is your first time, my name is uh, Pastor Broderick Santiago. I'm the lead pastor, percussionist, janitor, uh, coffee maker, a chauffeur, bus driver, all that for Mosaic Church. Amen. <laughs> some of you all can take some of those titles from me. We certainly encourage you to. We are so glad that you were here. We know that you had options. You drove by probably 1,000 churches just to get here, at least 20 within a one-mile radius of this place. But we're glad that you didn't drive by, but you stopped by to be with us today. And so we're delighted. We love you. We're honored. I want to say a major shout-out to a really, really good friend of mine who is back in the building. If you've been with, uh, if you were part of Courageous, you saw this handsome guy. You don't recognize him because he he, uh, he, he, he normally wears a skull cap, but he's removed that today. And I want to say what's up to my man. I call him Dollar Dollar Bill, y'all, but this is my man, William Engelman. Please, warm welcome for him. Uh, he is uh, assisting us today. Thank you. Jared, yeah, you messed up. You messed up. We now see that you can absolutely lead worship all by yourself and carry us to a whole nother dimension. God bless you, boy. Don't you, boy? You messed me up today. Jared led, oh my goodness. Boy, you better stop sitting on your gift, man. Lord have mercy. Thank you so much. And then we have, um, wow, this sister just like came when we did our grand opening. She responded to one of our mailers that we sent out uh, in this local community. And literally, the day she showed up, she just volunteered. Uh, Tia, who's over here running Pro Presenter. She just learned it this morning and doing her thing. Tia, welcome to the family. We are just delighted for you to be here, and you jump right in serving. So, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. I want to, uh, you know, continue in this series. This is uh, week three of it. It's called Masquerade. And how many of you have been blessed by it so far? I mean, it's blessed me personally. It's, it's really spoken volumes to me. Uh, we do have the notes. Byron will come up later on and share with you about how you can get notes if you've missed any part of this series. And then the podcast will be up. If you don't know already, you can go on our website, mosaiccovenantchurch.org. Go to the section that says media, click on sermons, and bam, you can listen to it. So if you're like, what did, yo, you know, Broderick said something that was kind of profound. It's not all the time, but this one time it was profound. And what was it he said? You can go right back there and find it. Or if I said something inappropriate and you want to point that out and, you know, tell me, yo, you said this inappropriate. And I'd be like, no, I didn't say that. Like, let's go to the podcast. You said this about that. So 
we do have the podcast available, available on our site, so you can check that out. Let us go to God in prayer. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, how holy is your name. God, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. God, give us daily the food we need, not just a form of perishable food but, and, and, and nourishment, but spiritual food, Father God, so we can continue to fight the good fight and honor your name, God. Continue to uh, forgive us for sins that we've committed, Father God. Uh, we'll talk about those sins today. God, and and continue to protect us from our adversary who is constantly challenging us and coming at us, God. In this moment, God, I offer this service to you. I pray that that the voice that the people hear is not the voice of Broderick Santiago, but it is your voice. I pray that the image that they see is not me, but is of you, Father God. I pray that everything that I say today truly uh, honors you in every way. I thank you for the permission, the license to share this word that you've labored with me on. And I pray that it doesn't fall on deaf ears, but uh, ears that are, are, are receiving of this word, Father God. And, that, and it doesn't just stop there, but it rests on the heart so that there is impact and change today. God, we thank you for all that you've done and continue to do. Bless this service in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've shared with you all before, this, this I'll be honest, Uh, I'm a bit of a copycat today. This series was not my own. I am not the originator of it. It's a concept that was started by one of my favorite pastors, uh, Joe Jordan. Know who's that? Who know who's that? Who that is? Because I always talk about him. Craig Rochelle. This was a concept that he had. But what I did was, with his permission, I've customized it so it can fall on the ears of people that I know and speak a language that you know. And I've even changed some of the scriptures. But the concept is uh, Craig Rochelle's. And so we want to give him the proper credit, but the scripture and stuff is God's, and God is allowing me license to use it on today. If you are taking notes, we're going to jump right in. We've got a lot to share. We've got a lot of ground to cover in just a little bit of time. So I want to talk to you today about hiding sin. Past couple of weeks, the first week we're talking about the mask that we wear when we're hiding from God. And, and, then, and then we talked about... Um, uh, 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 you know, just how we wear these masks and, and we try to hide from who we really are. Today, we're going to talk about how we hide our sin. A lot of us do that. We, we, we do that frequently. There are two types of sin. Let's get right into it. There are two types of sin that you need to know about. And anytime you sin, your sin falls into one of these categories. The first type of sin is a sin of commission. The sin of commission. If you're taking notes, that's the first line. Commission. Sin of commission, and this is where uh, you know something is wrong, but you do it anyway. You know something is wrong, but you do it anyway. Uh, You look at a particular person with lustful eyes, you know it's wrong, but you continue to gaze and begin to fantasize and start thinking things, and you know it's wrong, but you you, you do it anyway. Or or, or those husbands who commit adultery, you you, you just could not resist temptation. You you know it was wrong, and you say to yourself, I'm going to do it just one time, and you commit that sin, but you do it Anyway, you, 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 you're at work, and, and there's a dollar sitting there. You're hungry. You have 50 cents. If a, you have a dollar 50, you can at least get something from the dollar menu. So you take that dollar, which does not belong to you. You say you're going to return it, but you know it's wrong, but you do it anyway. That's an act that you commit. That's the first type of sin, a sin of commission. First uh, John 3, 4 says this about that type of sin. Everyone who sins is breaking not the law, but God's law. For all sin is contrary to the law of God. You're not just breaking the law. Now, we do know that you can break the law with some sins. You know, you cannot get arrested for adultery, but you can certainly get arrested for theft. You, you, you cannot get arrested for certain type of criminal acts uh, uh, or, or, or breaking certain laws, but you could certainly uh, be arrested by God for, for breaking certain type of uh, things. We'll talk about that a little bit later. The second type of sin is a sin that we don't talk about. It's a sin that we forget that, we can, that, we, that many of us commit on a regular basis. This is the sin of omission. The sin of omission, if you're taking notes, this is the second line, a sin of omission. This is where uh, you, you fail to do what you can and must do. In other words, you're driving by, you see somebody broke down and they're distressed in their car, your heart immediately grabs you and say, I should stop. But then there's that other voice that say, they may be trying to rob me. You see somebody begging for money, your heart 
grabs you and says, hey, give, but you say, man, I don't have time. They look hungry, but they also look like they're on drugs, so I'm not going to give because I don't know how they're going to use this money, so I won't do it. That's the sin of omission. It's doing what you know you ought to do, but you refuse to do it. Somebody needs prayer. Perfect example, I was here in the school the other day. It was Wednesday, and uh, or was it Wednesday? Let me think now. It, it, it was Wednesday. It was Wednesday, and I was here um, early in the morning to volunteer. And as I was leaving, the parent liaison uh, in the office, she's a member of World Changers, and so I had to check out with her. So I went in the office and say, hey, I'm leaving. I had a great time volunteering here at the school, and it was wonderful. And her phone rings, like, and they kept calling. She says, Pastor, excuse me real quick. I have to take this call. She took the call, and the call was from a member of World Changers, letting her know that there was just a shooting at the church. It had not got on. It wasn't even in the news yet. Some of y'all, this may be news to you, but there was a shooting that occurred at church, so y'all, y'all watch my back. There are people that, <laughs> that will walk up in your church and shoot you just because, you know, somebody, Satan told them to or whatever, they, or they don't believe in your theology. So in other words, at that very moment, she, she needed prayer. She was just distraught. She did not know who was shot. She did not know if it was somebody coming in there and just randomly shot up in the place during a prayer service. Wednesday morning prayer service, this happened. There's about 25 people there. She, we didn't know. There were no details yet. All we knew was that somebody came in and started blasting, okay? And so at that moment, my heart was pray for her. Pray for her right now. She's distraught. She's confused. She's scared. She doesn't know. It could be her pastor. It could be somebody, one of her best friends. It could be anybody because she knows people who goes to this prayer service. We don't know who got shot, but somebody got shot. Are they dead? Are they alive? I don't know. She seemed distraught. My heart says pray for her. But my mind was saying, you know, there's an issue with prayer in schools now. You're going, you know, you could cause some stuff if they see y'all praying publicly. And, you know, you don't want to ruin the relationship you have here with the school and yada, yada, yada. But my heart was saying pray for her. And then, 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 then as I was having this battle between the law and what's God's law, a voice spoke to me and says, Broderick, what, are you, what is your philosophy? Be a first responder. Do what you need to do. And if it's wrong, apologize later. So I prayed. I says, can I pray for you right now? And she's like, uh, yeah, let's go in this closet. I was like, no, right now, right here. We ain't going to go in no closet. Me, man, woman coming out of the closet. I'm not trying to get in no trouble. Lord have mercy. Let's pray right here in the open, and then we apologize if I'm wrong for it later. Amen? Amen. And so we prayed right there on the spot, and that really helped her come to a calm place. My point is, sometimes we overlook that. Sometimes there's a burden on us to pray. A simple thing, a simple prayer for somebody. Somebody comes to you, you're like, why are you coming to me with this? And they're saying, listen, I got have a need. This is what's going on. My life is a mess. You're like, I'll pray for you. And you go and you don't do it. You just committed a sin. When you didn't give to somebody that was hungry, you committed a sin. Even Jesus told, that, told us that. In Matthew, when he gave the parable, the, the, par- the parable, when he says, he, he was telling the disciples, when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When I was in jail, you didn't come visit me. You know, when I was naked, you didn't give me clothes. You didn't even invite me to your crib. And they're like, well, when did we do that? He's like, when you did it to them, you did it to me. And so when you ignore those people who have, when you have this burden on you, those people who have a need, those people who are calling on you, who, who just simply sometimes just need prayer, and you just ignore it and say, hey, I'll be praying for you, you sin. And it only takes a few minutes. You don't have to be deep. You don't have to go all into it. I mean, recite the Lord's Prayer, whatever it is. You know, you don't have to go long. God, I don't, I don't I, you know, I don't do this often. I don't pray out loud, but if you would, just bless this brother, bless this sister. They have a need. They're hurting right now. I don't know the words, but you know how to do it, God. Would you please bless them? And to, you said in your word where two or three are joined, you are there. So I'm joining with this sister. I'm joining with this brother in prayer. Will you meet their need? Amen. They would appreciate that. So the two type of sins, this is how we're going to chat. We're going to do it. 
we're going to do this today. We have to understand the two sins. The one is sin of commission. The other is sin of omission. No, it's not sin of commission. For those who've heard that word, I don't, it's not, I've heard people say that, sin of commission. No, it's commission and a sin of omission. And James 4, 17 says this, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. It is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. I read an article from this, 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 this writer by the name of Joe Biker on this website that I read, you know, just for some positive stuff. And uh, the website is pathconscious.com, really good. He says this, and I love it. It really challenged me. He says, while our public sins of commission may reflect poorly upon us and, more importantly, our God, I would argue that our sins of omission may be more of an indictment against Christians than our actual sins of commission. For instance, when a broken world sees Christians acting no different than the rest of humanity, not taking the time to be the salt and light, or simply ignoring injustices that we, all caps, should, by God's normative law, address, then those people will abandon their search for hope. What sets us apart as Christians? How can they identify us as Christians? Not by the, please don't say by the, by the cross on our neck. You know, I was at a costume party last night, and Easy e showed up with a cross on his neck. Huh? We cannot allow uh, those identifiers to connect us to our faith. It needs to be the work that we do that sets us apart from the rest of humanity. But we don't want to be separated from them. We want to be amongst them because we are human too. But how do people identify us as Christians? It's by our works. Let's go, let's, let's, let's go deeper. When we sin, when we, make a, when, we, when, we, when we have an act of sin, you have two choices. When you sin, here's a fact, we're all going to sin. All we can do is do our best not to. Right? You're gonna eat. Many of us sitting in this room will have far less sins of commission but have far more sins of omission. So if you are on that side of, listen, I don't commit any sin, I'm, I'm intentional about watching what I do and watching what I say, then chances are that omission side is a little bit weak. I mean, a little bit heavy. And then it's vice versa. If you, if you serve everybody, you do everything, but on this side, the commission stuff, that's where you judge people all the time. You know, you stingy as I don't know what, you don't give nothing. You know what I mean? You, you, won't, you got five-bedroom house, but can't nobody stay on your floor. Amen? Okay? You got a refrigerator full of food, but all you're thinking about is your needs. Yeah. That, this is you on this side. Rarely are we equally balanced. Most of the time, we're, we're heavy on the other, vice versa. So we got to find a way to find that balance. The thing is, we're going to sin. As long as we're here, we're going to do It may be a small sin, a small white lie, but we, we will sin. When you sin, you have two choices, though. You can, number one, conceal your sin. That's the first line there. You can conceal your sin. Keep it a secret. Well, man, you won't believe what I did last night, brother. I did this and that and whatever. And, you know, it's between me and you. Don't tell on me because it could mess up my rep. Conceal it or you keep it to yourself or you tell somebody who sins just like you so you and that other person know. The other thing you could do is confess your sins. Confess your sins. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, people who conceal their sins will not prosper. I'm not talking about money. They just will not prosper, meaning they will not do well. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Proverbs says that. I want to use as an example today one of my favorite biblical characters, King David. I love David. Everything about him from when he was a little boy and, and beat down the giant. And, you know, he kind of did the na-na-na-na-boo-boo to, his, uh, to the people who thought he was too small in the first place. And he's like, ah, man, I've been practicing out with the sheep. I can, I can nail this giant with just one shot. You know, I love that. And then he became like this great king. And, I mean, he was the man. And then he was like, what I really love about him is he was like a musician. 
He was like the bomb. He was the first one to establish like major choirs and, and all of this stuff. I mean, David was the man. I love this dude. So I want to use him today as an example. If you would, we're going to talk about what he did, how he got into some mess, but how he got out of it and what happened when he got in a mess, okay? And then we're going to talk about what you can do. So we got, we got, we got some, some real estate to make up here, so let's get going. If you would, in your notes, 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 5 says this. It's a long passage, I know. Y'all know the story, but let's go through it because it's important. I want to point out some things. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, hold that thought, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, uh, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. And as he looked over the city, he noticed, uh, another word for that is saw, and uh, a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. Let's stop there. He saw, or it says he noticed. Another word is saw. The Hebrew word for saw is uh, kazah, okay? And kazah means to stare at or to gaze at with contemplation or, uh, or, or content, okay? So he's contemplating. This is how he looked at her according to the Hebrew word kazah. So David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. And as he looked over the city, he gazed with contemplation on a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. She had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period, meaning she was fertile. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, Yo, cuz, you knocked me up. David, David, David. Let me point out some four very important things I want y'all to know, and you'll see this is how we commit sin. This is how we end up committing sins, okay? This is not in your notes, but if you want to take it down, you can. It's very simple. The first thing I want to point out just from this scripture, and this is how it works in our own life, is this. Number one, David was not where he should have been. And because he was not where he should have been, number two, he saw what he should not have seen. And because he saw what he should not have seen, number three, it caused him to do something he should not have done. And because he did something he did not, should not have done, number four, it cost him way more than he wanted to pay. And we'll talk about the cost he paid in the very end. And this is how it works for us. It says here in the very beginning, in the spring of the year when kings, was David not a king? Do we all agree David was a king? In the spring of the year when kings, that should have been David, normally go out to war, David's behind, stayed behind. He should have been out there like all the other kings fighting, but he stayed behind. So he was someplace he should not have been in the first place. And because he was there, he saw what he should not have seen in the first place. And because he saw what he should not have seen in the first place, he responded to that. And uh, he wanted to get some of that. And then he, it caused him to do something he should not have done, which in the end cost him more than he wanted to pay. That's how sin works. It goes like this. Here's how sin happens. Follow me. Write this down. This is good. Lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh overwhelms the logic of the mind. Lust of the flesh overwhelms the logic of the mind, and it's not just sexual. It could be an eating disorder. I really, really want that Big Mac. I know I should not have that Big Mac. I'm driving on my way home. Oh, my God, there's a Big Mac billboard. I'm driving on my way home. There's a big truck driving by, and there's a, 
you know, da-da-da-da-da, I love you logo on the side of the truck. Then it really gets tough because now you're fighting it. Then there's another truck that drives by with cows on it, and you're just like, that's beef, and that's, I'm, I've got to get to McDonald's and get that Big Mac. You're lusting after this food that you know you shouldn't have. So it jams up your logic. Where your logic should be saying, you know you shouldn't have it, leave it alone, go. But the lust of your flesh, the need for your flesh, I need to feel that hunger to get that doggone Big Mac. I know I'm going to regret it, but I can't resist it. And as soon as you get off the exit, the golden arches are waiting for you. It's like, oh, my God. I think then you, then you flip it. I think God is telling me I can have one Big Mac. Because everywhere I go, there's something that's pointing me to McDonald's. God must be telling me it's okay. And that's how the lust of the flesh is. Even, if it be, even, even when it comes to sexual desires. You know, God, 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 you know, every, let's be honest, every sin is forgivable with the exception of the sin of blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So then we begin telling ourselves that, like, if I just slip up this one time and go ahead and give in to my lustful desires just this one time, God is going to forgive me. He's a forgiving God. That's what he says. I'm not speaking against the Holy Spirit, so I'll just go and confess this sin to him, and, and then I'm just going to do it. And you give in to the lust of your flesh, and your logic of your mind is all jammed up, and next thing you know, you're guilty as I don't know what. Carrying that weight when you didn't have to do it in the first place, the logic was telling you, it ain't right. Don't do it. Don't stay away. Stay away from it. You know what's going to happen. You remember last time, it took you five months to get over that guilt. Don't do it. Especially those sins we conceal. You know, we, we watch, we go on inappropriate sites and stuff, and then we think we're doing all good by simply deleting our browsing history. Maybe that's just me that had that problem. Or, or, or we see a sale, we know the bills are due, we know we got something, something where that money, someplace that money needs to go, but daggone it, those shoes right there are on sale. They're, they go from 180 to $60. No, I'm not going to get it. I know I got to pay these bills, but man, when I walk in the office with these things on, but, 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 but. We do this to ourselves. It's the lust of the flesh, and all that compliment is going to do is last you for five minutes. You ain't going to get the date anyway. I'm sorry. And that's what happened with David. Had he been where he was supposed to be, he probably would not have saw this old fine woman. And the Bible is intentional about letting, she was unusually beautiful. She was not like the bomb. She was like the bomb.com.net.org. Unusually fine. Hallie is just fine. This woman was unusually fine, meaning they had not seen such radiance. And here is David. Already has. This is the talk when I'm talking about lust of the flesh. He has more than enough. He can't even please the ones he got. But there's Bathsheba all lathered up. And old David. So what does he do to conceal his mess? He tries to tell her husband, listen, Uriah, man, you fighting such a good battle, I'll tell you what. You come on home. And he thought he would conceal his mess, right? He told Uriah, come on home, man, and I tell you what, you need to just spend some QT with your wife. I know she misses you. Go ahead, man. I tell you what, man, y'all go and stay at a fancy rest, uh, uh, hotel. I'll pay for it, my dime. And, uh, man, go ahead and, you know, handle it, brother. I know you miss her. She miss you, feeling her. And, you know, Uriah's like, I can't do that. I need to fight for this land. I need to fight for my people. It's more important. I just feel guilty. But if you say I need to come home, I'll come home. But I'm not going to sleep with my wife because if I do that, it's going to make me weak. And I need to get back in the battle, sir. David's like, Dad, that didn't work. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, uh. So he keeps telling him to try different stuff. Get with your wife. Get her pregnant. That didn't work. Finally, he says, the only way I'm going to be able to get rid of this and conceal this, I'm going to have to kill this dude. Okay, Uriah, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go back out there? But since you're fighting such a good fight, I want you to be in the front, okay? I want you to show them how to lead. 
knowing doggone well with Uriah being in the front, even though he was a phenomenal soldier, he was going to get killed. And he felt that that would be the way he'd cover up his mess. Y'all think it worked? Absolutely no. Absolutely no. Watch this. Luke uh, says this. For all that is secret would eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. In other words, you cannot conceal your sin. At some point, whatever you do is going to come up. That's why when we go to funerals sometimes, you're like, who is this person and what they're doing there? And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, that was my father. Whoa, what? Huh? Yeah, granddaddy had a separate family over there. His sin was never concealed. And we hear some, mm, ah, because it's, it happens. It's real life. I'm not making that up. It happens in far too many families to, to even point a finger at. Your sin will never, your sin will never be concealed forever. And all you're doing is you're leaving the heartache and the hurt for people to clean up your mess. Your sin will be found out. You may not be a witness to it, but it's going to be revealed. You cannot hide it forever. Period, point blank, end of discussion. Somewhere down the line, somebody's been hurt or affected by it. Let me tell you about what happened with David. Nine months go by, and, and you can find out this story. I have the notes there for the story of Nathan confronting David. See 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 14. I don't want to read it, but I'm going to give you a quick synopsis of it. So God sends his prophet. Nine months later, David is chilling. He brought, the, he brought Bathsheba with him. He, they had the baby. She, you know, uh, he made her his wife. You know, he did the right thing. After impregnating her, they had a shotgun wedding, and I'm going to add you to the harem, okay? Now, he thought he's all good. He thought it was all well. Everything is good. I'm chilling. Here comes old Nathan, the prophet Nathan, with a message. He says, listen, David, let me tell you a story. This is the first and probably the only parable in the Old Testament you'll find. He says, there was a rich guy, and then there was a poor guy, right? The poor guy had one lamb. The rich guy, he had like sheep, lamb, chickens, goats, camels, mules. He had a whole bunch of stuff, right? And so the, the, the poor guy invited the rich guy over, right? And, and then the rich guy uh, uh, decides instead of killing one of his own cattle, he's going to kill the poor guy's little lamb. Just took advantage of his little lamb and kill it. David's like, what? What kind of person would do such a thing? You should kill that son of a gun. This rich man with all that stuff going to take this poor man's stuff. Kill him. Nathan's like, yeah, dude, that's you. You're that dude. What? Yeah, you're rich. You have more wives than you can even count. You got more money than anything. Uriah was poor. He fought in your battles for you. He, all he had was this one fine specimen of a creature that God created just for him, and you're going to go and defile her, mess her up, impregnate her with your greedy self. You are the rich man that took advantage of the poor man. And David, being the man that he is, was like crushed. Crushed. Nine months after, his sin was revealed to him. And he's crushed. He's torn to pieces. So he's praying to God for forgiveness and, 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 and you know, repentance and, and all of that. And we'll, we'll, we'll go into that because that's a part of the confession piece. Read that story. But here's a question I want for you. Don't answer it now, but begin to seriously think about it. What are you covering up? As I was doing this, I was like, you know what? Let me think. Oh, yeah, I, I know I have that issue. I got this issue. You know what? I think I'm going to journal about it. I'm, I'm, that's my new thing is journaling. I didn't do this before, so I'm journaling now. And I wrote the things that I'm struggling with now. Sins, your pastor, your friend, your brother, and I filled up that page. I was like, oh, my God, I shouldn't even be, I shouldn't even be preaching. I'm such a, a mess. And God's like, no, your people are worse than that. That's why you're carrying this junk. We're going to work on you. Just confess it. I'm not going to confess to y'all so y'all can just scratch that. It ain't going to happen. But I did call people that, 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 I, that pray for me and I pray with, friends that, I, that I've grown in the ministry with, people I've known since I became a Christian. I says, dude, I'm doing this, this series, man, about sin. And, and, and as I'm preparing this message, I had to actually check myself to see what I'm covering up. 
And I says, and I want to share with you all some things that I didn't even realize I was concealing. And I says, man, can you call the other brothers and let's do a conference call and y'all pray for me? I mean, I'm not going to ask y'all to meet because y'all are scattered all over Metro Atlanta, but let's just do a conference call like right now. And whoever can be on it, cool. Whoever can't, just tell them about it later and they can pray for me afterward. He's like, man, cool. So then I, I, I told my friend and they all got on the phone and said, man, here's some stuff I'm, I'm dealing with, man, and I didn't even realize it. And they were like, whoa, you know what? I'm dealing with that too, B. Man, me too. And we all pray for those. I mean, they're having some of the same struggles. Not Some of them not as deep as mine, but they're all having some struggles. And what happened in this process of me preparing this is that I was able to minister to my brothers. And they prayed for me, and we prayed for each other. And, I mean, if we were done, we were like, oh, Jesus. We were just weeping and breaking down. It's just like, oh, we're not worthy. And God's like, no, y'all worthy. Y'all are still human. And as long as you live in a sinful world, you're going to slip sometimes. As long as you live in this world, even though you're fighting daily, you got your gloves on, you got your armor on, you got your Bible, you have your friends, you're going to fight. It's a fight. It's a hard fight. It's not easy. But, son, don't quit. Let that dirt stay on you because your sheep need to see that you, you're just as dirty as they are, that you struggle just as much as they do, that you ain't that much closer to heaven than they are, and you don't have a one-way, one line directly to me. Your line is just as extended as theirs to me. They need to see that, and it's okay to have some issues in your life because if you don't, when do you ever have a chance to grow and work on some things and fix some things and share with your people how you got out of your jams? I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. All right, I don't have to be perfect to be a pastor. Amen. Let's move on. I want to share with you all something. Like I said earlier, all sin is forgivable except blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, according to Mark 3 and Matthew 12. What is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? I've heard this before. Can I, so, 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 so in other words, if I said Jesus ain't real, is that a sin? Actually, no, because Jesus said it in, even in that word. He says, you can blaspheme me, but you can't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And what he was saying to them at the time, it was after he had performed these miracles where he was healing possessed people. And then these Pharisees says, know what? You know how he was able to heal these possessed people? It was the devil. It was Satan. And Jesus said, wait a minute, y'all. Y'all can blaspheme me. I don't care what y'all say about me, but to give credit to Satan for something that only God can do is a sin, and it's unforgivable. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You have a miracle that happens in your life, a miracle of healing, right? And then you say you, you, you give it to anybody else other than God, the Holy Spirit, who is capable of healing you there, then that is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Even if pastor comes, lays hands on you, and then in that instant, that the pain you're feeling in any part of your body goes away, and you say, oh, thank you, pastor. Whoa, that's the Holy Spirit. Don't give it to the pastor. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Be careful. Be so careful because a lot of times we put so much faith in people and pastors and spiritual leaders and all of this stuff, and it's got to be given to the right person. It's got to be put in the right box, in the right lane, and that is the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's okay to say, Pastor, thank you for allowing the Holy Spirit to use you. That's okay. But when you say, thank you, Pastor, for laying hands on me and healing me, you are blasphemy of the Holy Spirit because only the Holy Spirit has the capability to do those miraculous things. I don't. If I could, oh, my, my. Listen, if I had that power, what? I'll be like, bless. I'm all right. Bless. Just be blessing myself. Forget about you. Bless. Junior. Bless Zakai, bless wife, bless, and wouldn't share it with none of you. That's why God don't give us that kind of that kind of power. We'd be blessing ourselves. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is just that: taking credit or giving credit where 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 it should be given to only something that the Holy Spirit can do. Jesus said, it, "Even if y'all spoke ill of me, whatever, just don't do that about the Holy Spirit. That's the only unforgivable sin." Any other sin is forgivable. And let's talk about how you get past that. So David messed up. We all know that, right? He jammed himself up. He messed up, took this, one, took this man's wife, defiled her, got her pregnant. He got her pregnant, and this is what happens. This is where the payback happens. This is where the payback comes. The first thing he did, let's talk about this. This is how we're going to get past this sin, and then we'll talk about what happened with David. 
There's two types of, you have to confess. It's the very first thing. You have to confess. You have to confess. Number one. There's two types of confession, and it has to happen in this order. Confess to God for forgiveness. Confess to God for forgiveness. Here's what David did. And this scripture is directly related. If you look in the Bible, it says this is the prayer that David prayed from when he defiled Bathsheba. This is exactly what it said. This prayer is specifically for that, that issue. It says this, Psalms 51, and we're going to just focus on verses 1 through 2 and 10 through 12. In the middle, there's a whole bunch of, of pleading and begging on David's part. But I want to focus on these words here. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Isn't that how we do it when we sin? We just remind God just how great he is first. When you do something wrong to, at home you, with your wife or your, your boyfriend or your, your husband or your girlfriend or your mom and daddy, the first thing you do is remind them of how great they are. Mama, you know you are such a great mom. You, you, you're always at my event. You make the best chocolate chip cookies. You are just such a perfect mom. Because of you, I am who I am. Immediately when your child comes to you with all of that gushy stuff, you know they done done something wrong, right? So this is David. He's like, Daddy, listen, have mercy on me because, you know, you, you, you give all this love which is unfailing and you have such great compassion, Daddy. Would you please blot out the stain of my sins? Wash me clean of my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Jump down to 10. And it says this, create in me, after you do all of that, this is the next thing I need you to do, Daddy, please. Create in me a clean heart, a start all over. Let's wash this, this thing from me, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me because I'm jammed up in guilt. It's hard for me to remain loyal to you is what he's saying in essence. Then he says, do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Erase it. I can't even be loyal to you. I'm so doggone guilty. It's, I mean, when I pray, it's so fake because the guilt of what I've done is so jammed up. The guilt of what I've done has arrested me and held me captive for so long. I need you to erase that in my heart. Let's start a new Give me back the Holy Spirit so we can be cool again. Let's start all over, God. Please restore in me something so that I can have the willingness to obey you. This prayer was specifically for that issue. If you read the Bible, it says that. It was specifically for that issue. That's the first thing you do. Confess to God for that and ask him for forgiveness. The second thing you must do. The second form of confession is you have to confess to people for healing. Now, let me clarify that. I'm not saying just go telling everybody your business, okay? Everybody does not need to be in your business. God has assigned people in your life that will speak to you and speak and, and, uh, uh, and that God speaks through to you. And people that will, will, will hold you up and hold you accountable will keep your business very private and be in constant and continual prayer on your behalf. Those are the people. And if you don't have any of those people, find a few dollars and get yourself a therapist because by law they can't tell your business. Somebody could say amen. And I would say if you can afford a therapist, I highly recommend it. I see one, and it's the best thing since sliced bread. I'm sorry it took me so long to see one. And the first day I met with him, I was like unloading, like, so this happened. And then when I was a baby, I think I remember crawling. I mean, I just unloaded everything. And he was like, wow. And then I was like, do you say that for everybody? Because I don't want to seem like I'm special. <laughs> so, you know, he said he can't say if he said it for everybody, but just wow. But share your business with somebody that is going to help you and you know. Sometimes it's not your mom or your daddy. They're critical sometimes. It's sometimes it's definitely not your spouse. They're critical sometimes. Uh, hey, honey, sometimes it's, you know, it's not your best friend. It's not, sometimes it's, this, it's, it's definitely sometimes not even your pastor. 
Real talk. Sometimes it's not your pastor. Your pastor will not share your business. I'm saying I will not share your business. People are surprised when I say that because I just don't. I don't tell your business. But I still may not be the right person. Okay? Find that person and confess whatever it is. Yo, I'm struggling with this. It may not look like it, but I've been hitting the pipe lately. I've been, I've been snorting cocaine. It may not look like it, but I have a gambling problem. It may not look like it, but, you know, I'm a sex addict. Whatever your issue is, share it with somebody in confidence and then allow them to work with you through it. Amen? We're not designed to go through life alone. God is a relational God, and, and, and he wants you to have real relationships here on earth. Just like you have a relationship with him, he wants you to have, he strategically placed certain people in your life just for that. Amen? So, James 5, 16 says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has a great power and produces wonderful results. Share whatever you're struggling with, whatever it is. Share that with somebody. You're not meant to do life alone. Let me tell you what happened with David, and then we're done. So here's what happened with David. David got Bathsheba pregnant. In case you didn't know this, y'all know that. They had this baby. David's guilty. The guilt lies on him. He's hurting. I did this woman wrong. We had this kid. I love it. And God said further in that that word from Nathan, that y'all, you got to pay. Listen, David, you have to pay the price for your sin. And this is what God said. We're going to keep you alive. But that baby, yeah, he's dead. And so David pleaded. He fasted, he prayed, he laid butt naked on a hard floor when he didn't have to. He did everything in his power. He was like, God, even do something to me, but let this baby live. The baby got sick and died. That's a price that forever in his life David had to live with for the sin that he committed. And I know many people are like, oh, man, God is such a mean God. God is an evil God. Is God an evil God or is David a bad, David a bad person for what he did? Forever this woman is jammed up. Forever this woman who loved her husband. David had her husband killed. They had no beef. They had a great marriage according to what I can understand from the Bible. And David just goes and defile her just because I'm David and I want it. And because of that, his sons, his, his lineage fought every generation. That was the curse on them. And then this baby died. But if you read further, God did bless them with another baby. I see William making faces. God did bless them with another baby the right way in marriage. They did have another baby, okay? Because, you, you know, I don't want anybody like, man, why would I serve a God like that? God cleans your heart. He cleans your mess. And he gives you a fresh start. Nobody ever wants to hear that type of stuff. But that's just how it is sometimes, let's be honest. Now, God doesn't make those things happen. Sometimes those things happen, and God makes the best out of bad situations. He'll bring good out of anything. That's just how God is. So the end result, the price David paid for the one ugly sin he committed, even though he confessed and did all the stuff he did, the price he paid is his family felt the burden for the rest of their generation, from generation to generation to generation to generation, for the one sin he committed. That's not a price any of us want to pay for our sins. Because here's the thing. Whatever you've done, it's going to come back. I'm not talking karma. I don't believe in karma. I really don't. You can't believe in karma and believe in God. But I believe that there's no secret. There's nothing secret under the sun. God knows everything. And I'm not saying God is a tit for tat. You did this, so guess what I'm going to do, Byron? Shame on you now. You want to you wanna, you wanna sin? Let me show you something. No, that's not how God works. But what happens is life happens. And you do something to somebody, something's, it's going to come back. Whatever sin you commit, it's going to come out. It's going to be surfaced. And God will use that somehow to get your attention and have a real conversation with you. Uh, not a come to Jesus meeting, but sort of like that. Come to God meeting and straighten you out and fix you up. 
but he'll give you a second chance. He'll clean your heart. And what you thought you had before will be better. Look at the story of Job. He, he did take every literally, God did take everything from Job. But what did he do after all of the long suffering and all of the stuff he went through? He gave him way more than he started with in the first place. Literally. Way more than he started with in the first place. It's doggone fun. Amen. I want you all to do me a favor. And I know that everybody in here is holy, so this may not apply to you. But if there's any doubt in your mind, I want to make sure that we all are in agreement on one accord. Let's say this prayer together. And, And when we leave this place, I really challenge you to really search your heart, really see what God is saying to you. Okay? Say this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I need everybody saying it, please. Heavenly Father, I know that I have sinned against you and that my sins separate me from you. I am truly sorry, Lord. I now want to turn away from my sinful past and turn to you for forgiveness. Please forgive me and help me avoid sinning again. I believe that your son, Jesus Christ, died for my sins and that he was raised from the dead and is alive. And here's my prayer. I invite Jesus to become my Savior and the Lord of my life, to rule and reign in my heart from this day forward. Bless me, Lord with your Holy Spirit and help me obey you and to convict me when I sin. I pledge to grow in grace and the knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I know you all are saved. The sinner's prayer probably doesn't apply to you. But if that's your first time praying that prayer or any prayer similar to that, congratulations. Today you've received salvation. I just want to make sure everybody is safe. I want to make sure everybody is covered. And if you just needed to recommit, accept it, God God has covered you today. And I would say after today, go and sin no more, but we're going to sin. And we have to accept that. But let's focus our attentions on those sins of omission, the little things that we avoid. Amen? Amen. All right, a few announcements and we're out. Biggest announcement. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.